Hello again, everyone. It's the Weekly Curio. Thanks for having us over. I'm the Whip Theater's Tom Britton. Got any snacks? Oh, and I'm College of Curiosity's Jeff Wagg. I'm going to check your fridge while Jeff does the first half of our weekly puzzle. All right, it's a bit long, so bear with me. A man crosses a border on a motorcycle. He has a large box on the back. The customs officer stops and asks him what he's carrying. He replies, sand. An inspection of the box reveals nothing but sand. The man continues on his way. This happens five days in a row, and the customs official knows there's smuggling going on. Still, he can find nothing but sand, even after he calls out his fellow officers and they examine the box carefully. Years later, after the customs official is retired, he notices the bartender is the same guy on the motorbike. He asks him how he came to be there. The man replies, I bought this bar with money made from smuggling, and now that you're retired, I'll tell you how. What was he smuggling across the border? From our things that don't make sense on planet Earth category, Earth's rocks contain a hidden ocean's worth of water. Yeah. So there's an ocean in the rocks. So it turns out if you drill, keep drilling, so, you know, you drill and you drill and you drill, you know, you're thinking you're going to hit lava and magma and yeah. maybe maybe the core is a solid ball of nickel or iron. the opposite of Valhalla is. Yeah, but... Kardashians of some kind. It turns out that we actually... And this is, what's amazing about this is we've just figured this out, is what you hit is an ocean. Now, before... I didn't learn that in school. So yeah, crust, no, mantle, ocean, ocean magma. Like more water than we have on the surface of the Earth. But wow. there's a catch. Water it costs twice as much. Water, water is just H2O. Water is a chemical. Okay. Uh, and in this case, it's bound up in a new mineral that we didn't know Ooh. existed. It's a, it's a new. Now, this isn't a, a new. Bonus. If you order right now, we're going <laughs> to we'll throw a new in mineral. Absolutely free. It's very pretty. It's called ringwoodite. And it's this um, translucent, deep cobalt blue mineral that's filled with water. And there's so much of it. That it's almost as though the planet. Wait, the mineral. Of water. I'm sorry, back up. Yeah. The mm-hmm. mineral is filled with water. Right now, so what does that mean? So chemically, and I can give you a perfect example. Have you ever seen an opal? Yes. All right. So an opal. You've seen an opal. I've never cracked one open and drank from it though. But you could sort of. Opal is just uh, quartz plus water. It's SiO2 H2O. That's what quartz okay. is. I mean, that's what uh, opals are. So why isn't it? Why isn't it wet? Drying right. out or if for the same reason that can I put um, it in the microwave and make quartz out of it? You could you would have to add a whole lot of energy to it okay. to get the water okay. out. You know, it's kinda like you and I don't even know what the process would be, but for example, to get the oxygen and hydrogen out of water, you apply electricity, it's called electrolysis, and you get hydrogen and oxygen. Um Opal is formed with a metamorphic process with a lot of heat and a lot of temperature. So you've got water, you've got wet quartz basically that's yeah. squeezed at really high temperature, and they bond and they chemically form a stable compound that we call opal. Similar with this ringwoodite that they've discovered. But what's amazing is that we didn't know this was down there, and there's so and it's much not of it. up here that we can find. And it's not up or here not on the in surface. Enough quantity right. that we found it ever. It is not on the surface at all. We basically discovered this whole new way that our planet was constructed. And this whole layer that we didn't know anything about. And that is super cool. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make jewelry out of it and sell it at the <laughs> farmer's market. And I'm going to be the if, first one. If you can get it. This stuff is so deep. Okay. It's going to be very expensive jewelry. It's, uh, it's you know, way deeper than oil wells. I mean, we're talking way, 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 way down. 250 to 400. Uh, sorry. At depths of 250 and 410 miles. Miles. So 410 kilometers. And then again at 660 kilometers. 
So it is way, way down there. Way down. Jules Verne levels of digging <laughs> yeah, into the earth, the right, where the core. dinosaurs live. And that's yeah. amazing. I love that we find stuff. Uh, that's so cool. I just like that it's pretty. If you, uh, there, there'll be links in the show notes, of course, and it's just it's really pretty and blue. But when you look at the pictures, the inevitable picture, I think there's exactly one picture of this stuff. It's no longer liquid water that we're talking about at these great depths. This is uh, Dr. Yeah. Jacob Jacobson uh, or Jacobson. Sorry, um, it's no longer liquid water that we're talking about at these great depths. The weight of hundreds of kilometers of rock and at very high temperatures. Above 1,000 degrees Celsius, that's 1832 Fahrenheit, my American friends, break down water into its components, and it's not accessible. It's not a resource in any way. So he says the water's taken down into the mantle with minerals during a process known as plate tectonics. You know what that is. And the slow and actual movement of the colossal rock slabs that make up the Earth's surface, bring those minerals down when they reach certain depths, they break down in a process called dehydration. Which is a word you you couldn't figure it out. Releases the water to form magma, and this is called dehydration melting, <laughs> which is common in the mantle. So yeah. We've seen it before, but we've never seen it form this. Yes, ringwoodite mineral. And it, 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 you have to understand some chemistry, more chemistry than I understand to talk about this. I mean, it, H2O can break down into OHs, um, hydroxy compounds, and you know, stuff like that. But anyway, yeah, there's all this stuff down there. Uh, and the most important thing that he said was that it's not a resource in any way. And when you look at the picture and see how pretty it is, and you're like, oh, I'd like a ring made out of that, look at the scale on the picture. Yeah. And it's you will a millimeter see scale. tiny little itty bitty things. So, so uh, now we found water in the Earth's crust. Next, dinosaurs. It's got to be. Oh, they're down there. So yeah, the, they're lost, down there. the lost world is waiting for us. <laughs> and news from our paranoid yet kind of cool section. <laughs> We have one of those. Uh, now, we officially, okay. the inaugural edition of Paranoid, but kind of cool. Hey, in the case of an apocalypse, where are you going to put your holy texts? Yeah, well, if the whole planet's going to get destroyed, there really isn't Paranoid, a safe place. Yeah. But cool? Mm-hmm. How about a, ta- a capsule on the moon? Yep. Well, yeah. Specifically, they're going to put an apocalypse-proof backup of all culture and life on Earth. <laughs> this is according to New Scientist. Uh, the moon will act as a backup hard drive for our culture, religious, and even genetic treasures. So sure. a seed bank up there. This is a high level of paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to start with some texts, because I guess that's easier, lighter weight than a bunch of seedlings. Yeah. Uh, specifically putting a Jewish scroll, a handwritten scroll, the Sefer Torah. You can say oh, a handwritten scroll will be something you don't want to lose in the apocalypse. You got yeah. a backup copy, so you send it up there. Uh, privately funded, so don't worry about your your <laughs> tax dollars being wasted on yes. such things. This is part of the... Uh, they will also want to win the Google Lunar X Prize, and that would right. help fund it. would we'll go there and take so many hours of photos in HD. And you have to qualify for the prize with a certain laundry list of... It's a scavenger yeah. hunt on the moon. Yeah. So the, we, X hours of HD video. Most of these X Prizes, they end up spending more money uh, to win it than they win. What else? Offset. But, so yeah, yeah. I raise $30 million with, inve- with investors, then I win $10 million right. back, and I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, also, they're going to carry some ancient Hindu scriptures. They don't say which ones. And some Chinese I Ching texts. Yeah. They put it in a capsule because the radiation. We said gamma yeah. radiation. Well, so that was my concern when I first read this is that, uh, you know, just because it's on the moon doesn't mean it's not going to be degraded. For example, the flags we planted up there, they're not red, white, and blue anymore. They're just white. So we think the moon is surrendering. Yeah, that's uh, right. We, we give up. And temperature changes. Yeah, Crazy temperature. temperature. Huge. You have no atmosphere. You have yep. huge temperature changes. But these capsules will keep them for at least 10,000 years, they hope. 
And then once this capsule's in place, I'd imagine you go far enough underground. You don't need a very advanced capsule. Well, There's some lead and some walls. The moon isn't it. the moon isn't quite dead. I mean, but compared to the Earth, it's pretty dead. You know, Earth Earth is super dynamic. There's a reason the Earth doesn't look like the moon, and that's because stuff moves around. We've got plate tectonics. We've got weather. We've got water. The moon. You've just got this rock. And there, there is a tiny bit of tectonic activity. There's a little bit of volcanism on the moon. Not a lot. The biggest risks are radiation. Get tons and tons and tons of radiation. And rocks. I mean, stuff hits the moon and there's nothing yeah. to stop it. You, you know, we have an atmosphere here that creates shooting stars. They don't have that. You throw a rock at the moon, it's going to smash into the moon. But those are lower risks. So I think it's an interesting idea. But and they're doing it to make it apocalypse proof. So they're yeah. already a little on the paranoid side of if there's a World War yeah, Three nuclear radiation. So it's better than leaving in the, in a temple to be destroyed. Yeah. The entrepreneur backed it made a, a nice point, though, that it's an incredible, beautiful project. And it is. It's you beautiful start project, by using right. the poetry. These three texts, it's a quote, these three texts are among the Earth's most ancient documents created over 3,000 years ago. And they are significant to billions of people. Very true. And so you use, end of quote, so you use that as a jumping off point to start cataloging things to the moon. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, no. once you, if you've got a way to do it and get it up there, especially if you're using your own private funds, it's sure. a great use for the moon. We're not going to go up there and carve any more cheese off of it. No. Yeah. So uh, we might, I don't know ah. what we're doing with it. Well, and see, we might, so so here's the thing. What There are valuable resources on the moon, right? There's H3, which uh, right. the movie, the moon, remember the movie Moon? Yes. With, uh, he was running an operation yeah, up there. Duncan Jones, was that one of his? It was, uh, I can't remember. But David Bowie's kid. Sam Rockwell Sam was Rockwell, the guy. Sam Rockwell, directed by Zoe Bowie. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But his his whole purpose for being up there was he was mining the surface for H3, which is, it's, it's, a, it's a helium-3. It's actually a very valuable compound. If we could find a way to get that back, that would be great. And little projects like this, which are, you know, it, this is for fun, basically. This isn't going to help humanity in any way other than spiritual, that I can see. It could lead to like, hey, we found a really cheap way to get stuff up there. And if we can get stuff up there cheap, maybe we can find a way to like let little robots run around and capture H3. I don't know. Well, now Sam Rockwell also has stuff to read. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, poor Sam Rockwell. He wants to crack open some of that Torah and have a whack at it. <laughs> he wants to convert <laughs> to Judaism while he's up there. There's a good chance yeah. for you. Scientists discover 125 million year old turkey. Yep. Basically true. That's about it. Yeah. Science is delicious news. <laughs> Four wings, though. <laughs> Four wings, which means every member of the family right. every can every have wing. a wing. Yeah, the drumsticks, well... It's what we've been searching for for 125 <laughs> million years. We're going to bring it back. It's an all-wing feast. That Hooters is going to have a time That's with this right. beast. Yeah. They're going to... Oh, the half the price of wings. Okay, here's the, here's the, here's the measurements, right? It's called, first of all, Changoraptor Yangi. That's just fun. Changoraptor or Changyu Raptor. Yangi, second word, Y-A-N-G-I. That's fun. Feathered four-winged dinosaur, early Cretaceous. Tail feathers, 30 centimeters, 12 inches long. That's 30% of his skeleton. So turkeys also have kind of long tail. Yeah, they do. Wild turkeys do. Peacocks do. Yeah. But it's got a good kite-like tail on him. Mm -hmm. He's 1.2 meters, that's four feet, and nine pounds. Yeah, pretty hefty. And Yeah, a quote from a co-author, Luis Chiape. Paleontologist Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County said nine pounds for an early flyer. That is a pretty sizable beast. 
Now, we should probably correct a misconception here. It's like when people, flying dinosaur, people think, oh, pterodactyls and pterosaurs, yeah, not dinosaurs. Not dinosaurs. Not My dinosaurs. favorite dinosaur, yep. not a dinosaur at all. Yep, same thing with uh, ichthyosaurs, plesiosaurs, uh, mosasaurs. None of those are dinosaurs. So what qualifies? What would they have to do to be a dinosaur? Basically, Move to a better neighborhood. You have to be a dinosaur. It sounds like a stupid answer, but it's true. All these things are reptiles, but dinosaurs were a specific group of reptiles. And even though some of these lived at the same time as dinosaurs and were reptiles, it's like saying turtles and alligators are the same thing. They're not. They're all turtles. They're all well. They're right. both reptiles, but they're you know one's an alligator, one's right. a so. Anyway, so but these guys are really dinosaurs. These are true flying dinosaurs, and they have feathers. And we, we suspect they're delicious. Yeah. We accuse them of deliciousness. Well, it, it, so this is... This is actually, why I can't have Jurassic Park. Somebody, I would only breed delicious. I would have a restaurant. Somebody did do. a little research on this, very little, because the question was asked, what do dinosaurs taste like, or what did they taste like? And the answer is probably chicken. And not just because everything tastes like chicken. Everything, I think people taste like chicken. <laughs> My dog tastes like but chicken. But their lineage... Is chickens. Chickens are dinosaurs. That's what dinosaurs turned into. So it probably tasted so like So if I ever end up in a land of the lost type scenario, yeah, find I'm dating guys. myself now. I just carbon dated myself. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> Slee stack. Yeah, which is where scientists end up transported back to dinosaur times. I'm going to be fine. I yeah, have like yeah, 150 recipes for chicken. I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. Four wings. Four wings. Eat up, everybody. <laughs> Every day we move a little closer to Star Trek. Yeah. We get now... The idea that the Star Trek teleporter, the transporter, has been invented. Well, not really. Yeah, no. We've, we've made a stride in quantum teleportation. If you read the headlines, it sounds like, you know, next week you're going to be able to teleport your latest Walmart But I already booked my kitchen. ticket. Yeah, no. No, what they've done is they've... Um, it's actually a little, even a little bit more complicated than I'm going to say it, but what they've done is they've been able to basically teleport the state of matter from one set of matter to another. In in the particular example, they're using diamonds, and they're able to teleport the state of the diamond, the quantum state. Yeah, they trap it in what they call a mini-prism. Yeah. They trap it in the diamond, which is now it sounds like the Superman movie where they put the bad right. guys in, in the, the phantom zone. Yeah, they send them to the phantom zone. <laughs> and then another phantom zone reflects. Yes. You can clearly see Zod in that other phantom zone. So Zod then exists in two places. <laughs> I've now dumbed this down to the point of stupid. Uh, this is the theory of quantum entanglement. Yes. So what they're trying to do is not beam you up, Scotty, but rather add more evidence for their theory of quantum entanglement. And it's kind of spooky. And this is what does that. You know, it's like there are things that are connected that with nothing that you can see is connected them. So, you know, imagine you flipped a coin in China and that a different coin flipped in the United States. And there were old theories of this Victorian times. Yeah. They believed that if you bred two dogs that were twins and sent one on a boat and broke one's leg, the other would feel the pain. Yeah. And this was a way of figuring out distance because if you could tell uh. the delay between the two dogs yelps at noon every day, I will break one of this dog's legs. Jeez. <laughs> oh, when it yelps, you will then know it's noon here and you can calculate how far out you are. This was a theory yeah. that they were trying, and it was not called entanglement, it was something else. But that idea, if I cut a flower petal off here, since it is yep. a son of the flower, it will then wilt right. on the other end. And it's crazy, our science has gone so far that now bloodletting is a legitimate yeah, thing. Some We've of it's got, actually know, turning maggots true. Maggots are being used to bite. So, maggots yeah, can be useful. Absolutely so, insane. But yeah, it turns out that at the quantum level, there is this thing called entanglement, where things are 
definitely connected to each other that in our level of existence at our scale makes no sense at all. And and they what they've done what's new and they've done this in the past what is new a hundred kilometers in the past they did it they did this between over two kilometers. islands a hundred yeah. kilometers basically they got a, we will use the example of a coin they got a coin to flip another coin a hundred kilometers away not uh, literally that would be too literally. cool yeah no it's on just, a very small scale yeah. that's kind of what happened but now with two diamonds that are actually relatively close to each other they can do it every single time one hundred percent success yeah. is the factor that changed now does that mean reliable we, we have Star Trek coming soon I mean technically it would be possible to teleport something but you would need an almost infinite amount of energy and what you'd be getting would be more of an exact copy rather than the actual thing you transported. But some of our understanding of these quantum phenomena could translate into quantum storage, sure. into quantum hard drives, into quantum... So it could... Understanding how this works could lead to understanding of other areas and allow us to s- store data faster sure. or in smaller areas. Imagine- so we wouldn't be using the teleportation, but we're using our understanding of quantum phenomena. Yeah, I mean, imagine you, you had a, a quantum Wikipedia, and every time anyone changed an entry on Wikipedia, it would change all of them everywhere that were instantly. All, all these hard drives would be entangled. Yeah, there's no lag. There'd be no it's instantaneous. It would be exactly the same as if they did it, you know, faster than the speed of light because technically there's no distance and if you could simply transmit even flipping a coin like a semaphore's worth of mm-hmm. communication or a morse code's worth of communication with no lag at all yep, be, over 100 kilometers there may be applications for that Absolutely. that we just don't think about in right. data transmission or in backing up or in repurposing data things that we don't think of in b2b or an enterprise or in high science that, yeah, you're not going to use it on your new iPod, no. but a scientist somewhere would love to eliminate 0. 0.000 milliseconds at their CERN sure. experiment, and that quantum flipping could do that, allowing them to better analyze the God particle or to and better find a way to do something else. What is it? It takes us seven minutes to communicate with the Mars rovers? Like yeah. Every transmission, seven minutes there uh, and back? Yeah, because they did a big, it was the seven minutes of hell right, or whatever they called well, it for they their could, engineers. If you could somehow incorporate quantum entanglement into some sort of communication, you're basic. Remember subspace on Star Trek? Yes, that's what this is closer to than the transporter. So it, we just need the Charles Barkley of today. Yeah, no, it was it was it, it was, was a, a Lieutenant Barkley. Lieutenant Charles Barkley's Barkley, a yeah. basketball yeah, player. Right. Well, he's Lieutenant not so bad Barkley, either. Reginald Barkley. Yes, Reginald Barkley. I'm such a nerd. Wow. Why do I know one basketball Broccoli. player and the entire cast of Voyager? <laughs> He wasn't on Voyager. Yes, he was. He was. Oh, Absolutely I didn't get that was. far into it. So now we have a nerd fight. Now we have to go outside. No, wait a and minute. And it will be phasers at dawn. They were so far out. I, I, all right, I don't know. And that's what that's what Reginald Barkley did was communicate. Uh, oh, my God. I now we've wandered it. down a rabbit hole within a rabbit hole within a rabbit hole. And then Janeway was in prison. Oh, wait. <laughs> Pop Saigon gives us an article saying uh, e-cigarettes are not harmless and should be regulated like cigarettes, according to this one study and its conclusions. Yeah. I, uh, so I, what we yeah. what we learn is that a lot of the arguments that it's just harmless water vapor, that is complete bunk. Yeah, marketing. But that was industry right. shills. That was mouthpieces and, yep. and, and hooers, as they're called, <laughs> speaking on behalf of their, their overlords who mm-hmm. pay them. So we knew that was crap. You could yeah. tell from the guy with the two white teeth and the two nice suit telling you yeah, with right. his fake tan, this is crap. However, I believed that they would help stem you off cigarettes, that they would help right. move you away from cigarettes. 
people are not using them for that. So they might be. Yeah. But what you're using them for is you smoke your cigarettes outside, you smoke your e-cigarette inside. Right. So it isn't increasing your usage necessarily. So instead of going outside for a smoke break, you just have a smoke break at your desk. Yeah. So the same whatever, no movement for you. But it is not helping you quit cigarettes. That appears to be what it which is. Which I hoped. At least currently. No and, one's using it that way. So the argument here is that they'd be regulated like like cigarettes. So, you know, there's a few different issues. If Should they be sold to kids? I'd say, yeah, regulate them like cigarettes as far as kids are concerned. But the whole thing... Now, people who are our age, or at least my age, remember going to restaurants filled with smoke, smoking... No, I worked the smoking sure. section because you made the most money. Well, that's true, too. Smokers yeah. tipped a little better than non-smokers. Yep. And spent a little longer in the restaurant. That's right. Those are probably connected, but they Smoking spent a on airplanes, and oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not quite old enough to remember that, I but do. I remember on international flights, hearing they still allowed smoking, yeah. but I didn't take international flights. Oh, we don't have any more tickets left in the non-smoking section. You'll have to submit and sit in smoking. Now... That sounds crazy to me today to sit for eight hours in an airplane being surrounded by smoke, but that's how it was. So secondhand smoke is supposed to be harmful, so we put in regulations to get rid of this. Now, these new cigarettes, I would be okay with someone smoking those on an airplane unless someone could show me that their vapors were harmful in the way that cigarette vapors were. It definitely fixes the smell issue. So I'm yeah. a reformed smoker. I smoked okay. when I was in my 30s. I'm now in my 40s. I haven't smoked in uh, 11, 12 years. Mm -hmm. But I did smoke from the age of 9 or 10 when you start stealing your, your parents' cigarettes mm -hmm. until 30-something years old. Uh, I do not like the smell of cigarettes. Right, me either. On people or in someone's home who's a mm -hmm. smoker. And even if you're smoking near a window, no, sorry. Yeah, if I you're a smoker, smell. everyone else knows it. Yes, you Trust us. I do not mind the smell of these at all. They either smell like nothing or like vanilla or strawberry or some vague right. yeah, fruity it's not a whatever. Big deal. So I'm in no way bothered by that. I think the vapor that comes out looks cool. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't smell like anything and, and you can some blow of smoke them, rings. They glow That's blue. Neat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with all of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, because I am a smoker, I'm always, or was a smoker, mm -hmm. I'm always afraid to get on too high of a horse. Yeah. About people hurting themselves. Yeah. I live in a city, I eat red meat. Right. I, I hang around people who do consume alcohol for yeah. fun. Uh, I don't know. How much are you allowed to hurt yourself before I get all judgy? I, yeah, you and know, I'm, are you allowed to have three glasses of red wine a day? I am, uh, as far as regulations con some, con uh, regulations are concerned, hurt yourself all you want. I mean, I, I don't care if these hurt you as much as cigarettes if you use them. I don't care at all. Would the you care if they hurt more? Um, are we willing to go 10% No, nah, that's an interesting worse? question. That, yeah, you get For used what to the, the devil you know. Yeah. Now, what if a study came out and said they're 21.7% worse than full-flavored filtered cigarettes on the market I today? I think I'd have to Isn't say... Isn't that weird? It is, but it did make you did make me pause. I think I'm going to yeah. stay consistent and say that's okay. It's hard. you got to look it, to your morality. Yeah. You're like, well, yep. I guess if I'm to be libertarian on this issue, yeah, right. I have to be libertarian on this issue. And this this is me being a libertarian, which I'm yeah. not always, but in this case, I'm like, look, whatever you do in no, the No, I privacy, definitely run from communist to libertarian yeah, right, in the too. same issue, no problem. <laughs> whatever you do in the comfort of your own home, go for it. And, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, fine. I, I think I'm, I would advise you to read the studies. I would in the comfort of my home, light it up. Not yeah. that you actually light it up, but, you know, turn it on. But if you're on an airplane, you're in a restaurant, then you're affecting me, and we need to have a conversation about you? that. And that's the thing. No one's actually talking about that. And by how much? That. It's like we have become so anti-cigarette that we look at these things and say, oh, those look like cigarettes. They must be bad. Well, 
if these things aren't harming secondhand, if they're not hurting people through secondhand smoke, I say light them up in the restaurant. I don't care. Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I, and again, I'm eating a cheeseburger with bacon on it. <laughs> right. I'm sitting in a city. I'm in the yeah. third largest city in America, one of those, say, 50 largest on the planet. Easily. Breathing in gasoline fumes and yeah, smoke. All kinds of stuff. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm at a restaurant surrounded by other people. I'm wearing blended fabrics that are harmful. <laughs> I drove shrimp. to get. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder like how much damage I'm doing by choice. Am I right. having a bit of scotch at the end of my yep. meal? Am I having a cigar every 500 meals? But your drinking scotch isn't going to affect the guy next to you. No, no, I'm saying for yeah. me. Like, right. So the guy next to me sparks up his e-cigarette. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, wait, that's .01 too much, too damage. <laughs> right. But I'm not wearing sunscreen. I'm living in a city, I'm mm-hmm. eating red meat, and processed bacon is even worse than the sure, burger. Sure, all the nitrates, yeah. Processed cheese, yep. white bread. It's all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm not living the pure hippie existence where, is that the thing I'm going to gripe about? What if I just thump the bacon off my burger and <laughs> called it even? Well, and So you, that guy's going to smoke his e-cigarette, I'm going to move this bacon off my plate, yeah. and now I'm back at where I would have been. New York City, they stopped you from being able to buy, buy large sodas. Which, Temporarily. Yeah, and they, yeah. They, they it got, but still, I'm like... Screw you. If I want to buy eight liters of Coke, why is that a public concern? Yeah, but then you got the kids doing it and they don't have the judgment centers. You know, when do you parent as a village? And there, there's my communist streak. See, yeah, here yeah, I just went uh-huh. the other way where I'm like, well, okay, the 12-year-old can't make the decisions. <laughs> can't, biologically. Right, we can't. know that prefrontal cortex yeah. is not in males 25, <laughs> yeah. right? 20, 25, 26 is not uncommon for males. So that 12-year-old boy... Uh, or girl, I guess, until 19 to 20 yeah. for women. Girls are that quicker. That 12-year-old <laughs> cannot physiologically make the decisions you can. Right. Isn't your job as mom, dad, and then how far by extension do we go as a village? How communist mm-hmm. to libertarian do I lean right. on the Coke issue where I go, no, no, it isn't for you, big guy. You can always walk back up and get a refill. So the And re- by the way, if you're listening outside the country in America, refills are free. It's just a yeah. cultural expectation. If you charge me for re- refills, it offends me, and I'm on the yeah. more liberal hippie that, side of the spectrum here. That is here. how it is. I'm more blue state, and I yep. still am like, what good sir? How dare you? I'll have another <laughs> Diet Pepsi, and I'll have it now. Thank you very much. <laughs> And so, you know, we have things like this where um, rental cars, if you're under 25, you cannot rent a car in this That's country. insurance. Insurance and knows that, right. that men wreck cars. Exactly. Women have wrecks more often, but men more catastrophically. Yep. So women have more fender benders, but guys, we total the damn yeah, thing around a tree. So, so averaging it out, you'd rather insure a woman for $100 yes. of damage, $50 of damage than a guy who once every five years is going to completely obliterate your vehicle. But if I'm a 30-year-old person, yes. who is the state to tell me that I can't buy a 20-ounce soda, I have to buy a 12-ounce So one? this is you getting caught up in the net of I'm protecting your son. And should I be is the debate. Right. Should the village get the involved? that's the big question. Or should the village, in this case, I would see it as helping you. The same way as the ticket taker, I would say, you don't look 17. Right. I don't think you should be allowed into this movie. So you dropped your kid off to see the Dumbo re-release, and they snuck in to see Django Unchained 2. Should the ticket taker help you parent your child? You didn't intend right. for them to see it. Otherwise, you would have walked him in and said, no, no, I approve this message. He shall see Django Unchained. I'm going to up the where ante. Is our, where is our line? <laughs> I'm going to up it up. Here's the ante. As the Marxist on the show <laughs> of the day. Um, Seatbelts. 
Seatbelts aren't to protect you. Seatbelts are seatbelts are to protect me. When you lose control of the vehicle, okay, good. you are more likely to regain control if you were belted in. That's absolutely They don't true. help you very much. They help you a little they when you, you in plow the into the tree. But they allow you to steer around three busloads full of nuns. Oh, straw man driver, I've just no, no, created. No, no, yeah, that's true. As no, you yeah. hit the tree and die. Yeah, that's an argument. So seatbelts are not for you. My brother Jeremy, I could not get through his head his entire life. He didn't wear a seatbelt. I could not get it through his head. It is not to protect you when the car starts to move. It's so like the NASCAR drivers are strapped in to protect the others around them as they die. Right. And by that logic, I'm okay with their law for wearing seatbelts. And it took me a while to get there. And whether you're okay with it or not, the, the insurance companies pay your well, senators. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> to make the stupid law right. make you do it. Motorcycle helmets, though. You are yeah, actually... Yeah, there, there, there is a libertarian you, issue, yeah. Motorci- and, and this one, you know, it, in the U.S. anyway... Because in, motorcycle seatbelts are stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah, they don't work too well. <laughs> Uh, and and the in different states have different helmet laws. Like Illinois, no one right. no helmet law. And and you see people without helmets all the time. And I say that every single one of them is an idiot. Yes. But they have a right to be an idiot. And don't in they? that case, I, mean, I can't make an argument. I can't see how at the point where your head impacts something. Yeah, you'd be softer. <laughs> you would be helping even the rider with you. No, it doesn't. No. I don't see how that in any way impacts me. So then the argument becomes: How much do I owe your children to protect them from your own stupidity? And then, but again, where does that village? Yeah. And I think most people would have drawn the line before that. They would say, okay, now, now, you're, now in you're in their living room mm-hmm. par- parenting their children. Whereas the movie theater example we agree on, yeah. when I say, by extension, you're too dumb to wear a helmet and your kids will pay for that idiotic- idiocy, right? So therefore, we need a law. That's where people, I might lose them on yeah, that. Yeah, you well, lost me with that. Okay, come now, on. Canada, though. Also, stupid is genetic, so the kids probably aren't much <laughs> it better. It doesn't matter. Canada... I'm going to pay for your freaking head injury on your motorcycle. And in this country, I predict in 10 years, we'll have single payer. So, so I I think all we're illustrating here is that this stuff is more complicated than... If you care about the other person and are intelligent, it's more complicated. Yes, I don't want to impinge your freedom any more than I have to, but I also don't want you hitting me because you lost control of your car and are bouncing around the interior. Yep. Instead of hitting the damn brakes, you can't mm-hmm. reach them because you're bouncing. Yeah, bad pothole could do that. And I'll debate with you all day on where that line is because at the end of the day, I want us to not both be happy. I want us to both be equally miserable. <laughs> That's a good compromise. <laughs> it's true. It's you true. hate the stupid seatbelt law, and I love the stupid seatbelt law, and we're both unhappy with the implementation of the stupid seatbelt law. <laughs> That's, and that's the perfect compromise. It's not yeah. I win, you lose. It's we both lose. It's fair. That's fairness, <laughs> yes. All that remains is to thank you for spending a little time with us as we debate and flounder. We're going to solve all the world's problems. We right will here. eventually, right? Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen our show, and if it's still running, by the time this comes out, it'll be the last few weeks, whiptheater.com, W-I-P-T-H-E-A-T-E-R.com. This is only if you're in Chicago, though. I don't know how many people are listening. fly in. Come on. Yeah, come on in from England. (laughs) If you're here on vacation, great place to go. Uh, Until next week, I'm the Whip Theater's Tom Britton. And I'm College of Curity's Jeff Wagg with the answer to this week's puzzle. So, if you remember way back at the beginning of the episode, the puzzle was a man is basically crossing the border over and over again, and the customs officials can't figure out what he's smuggling. Well, the answer is it wasn't the sand. The sand was a ruse. He was smuggling the motorcycles he was driving on. 